Hello, all, and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody coming at you with our Week Ten review. Cody, that was quite a day of football we had yesterday. Uh, coming at you after the Monday night game just wrapped up between the Commanders and Eagles, another pretty entertaining game, I'd say overall. Uh, we're kind of out of that mid-season malaise we had. We had a few weeks where offense is a little hard to come by for a lot of teams, but uh, the last couple weeks have been really fun, and I think this one was another one we'll get to a little later, but we had a couple games that could easily qualify for game of the year. So I was pretty happy with the football aspect of what transpired on Sunday. How was, uh, how was your take? Well, the um, one of the games you're referencing, which we'll get to, Vikings-Bills, was so good that I accidentally started a Ezekiel Elliott who was out yesterday. But I did not look at my phone for probably 30 minutes because I was so <laughs> locked into that game and uh, started Ezekiel Elliott on accident. So ended up getting a win in that league, surprisingly. It was one of my two wins this week. But, uh, yeah, luckily uh, Christian Watson saved me in that league. But... Um, it was a really good week. I mean, again, I went two and three in my fantasy league, so uh, not the best there, but I'm in a good position in most of them. Uh, one of them I did fall to three and seven, um, so I'm sure there's plenty of people out there like me that three or seven that are three and seven, maybe even two and eight in the league. Don't don't give up just yet if you feel like you have a good roster. Try and string some wins together. You never know. You know, 500 is going to get you in the playoffs in the majority of leagues, so stay in there. Um, on a happier note, the best bets keep rolling a 5-1 and one week. I hit my first 3-0 and no week of the season this uh, weekend, so uh, big W's there. Packers over Cowboys has to be one of my favorite calls of my life so far. Can't believe that one hit. Uh, and then lastly, just want to say we appreciate you guys listening. Please give us a follow on social media. Share with some of your friends and family. Uh, but Nick, overall, how did your fantasy teams perform this weekend? Well, we went 4-0, and Cody. We needed a uh, kind of a down Miles Sanders game to secure our last win, and got we it. got it. Um, yeah, I was a little worried when they got to the red zone uh, towards the third quarter there. It looked like they might run that one in, but Devonta Smith ended up getting the touchdown, so that saved me. And, uh, yeah, we ended up cashing 4-0. Two of my teams had a certain Bears quarterback on them, so they kind of rode him to the win, uh, but the other two kind of – lucked out some some close battles that were in the low hundreds so got a little lucky in those two but the other two were saved by uh, my man Justin Fields so we'll talk about him a little bit later uh, before we get into the matchups though I want to hit on some of the bigger injury updates that we have for you uh, that you know we got a little bit more on today as well but Leonard Fournette in the uh, Munich game uh, the early one on Sunday left with a hip injury in the fourth quarter looks like he uh, got some positive news on his hip. Uh, that was a hip pointer. He has a decent chance to play in Week 12. They have a Week 11 bye. So good timing for Fournette owners on that injury. Seems like he will be back uh, and probably won't miss any action. Jerry Judy on the Broncos. He exits on the very first offensive play. Looks like a very nasty injury. Non-contact. Thought it was much more serious than it ended up being. Uh, a minor ankle injury is what they're calling it right now. Initial testing has gone very well, currently day-to-day. -day. So we'll see uh, later in the week about Jerry Judy. If he misses a game, it'll probably only be one. Juju Smith-Schuster in the concussion protocol. Uh, got smack coming across the middle. Kind of an ugly play. Was immediately knocked out. Uh, tough to watch for sure. So I would imagine he misses at least one game, maybe two. Just you know, uh, judging by the severity of it, concussions. 
Very tough to predict these days, uh, even more so than normal, but hopefully the Kansas City Chiefs are careful with him. They have plenty of options in the receiver room, so they don't need to rush him back. Zach Ertz, this is a big one. Exited with a knee injury. Just got an update a couple hours ago, actually. He is out for the rest of the season, so tough blow for the Arizona Cardinals. Rondale Moore shares going through the roof right now. He should have at least 8 to 10 targets a week, basically guaranteed at this point. Um, we'll get to the rest of the reaction on the Cardinals when we do that game. On the other side of the field, Cooper Cup exited with an ankle injury, the other huge injury on Sunday. Not as bad as it could have been, initially reported as a possible broken fibula, but looks like he ended up with a high ankle sprain. We've seen how uh, how much that can you know, just inhibit players throughout the year. We saw Jonathan Taylor take approximately six or so weeks to finally uh, heal up from his, so... Uh, with the way the Rams season is going, there is somewhat of a chance Cooper Cup gets shut down here. But even if he doesn't, you know he's going to probably miss at least two weeks, maybe more than that. Uh, we'll just have to see how the uh, you know the testing goes later this week. A couple more here. That is Khalil Herbert on the Chicago Bears exited late with a hip injury. Uh, that one I have not found any updates on so far. So. Uh, he was ruled out pretty quickly once he left, though, so this this could be something serious. We just have to uh, get some sort of update on it. Haven't seen anything yet. Marquise Brown, this is the uh, one bit of news that I have uh, from today. Looks like he will be back after the Cardinals' Week 13 bye at the very latest. So that would be Week 14. You can expect Marquise Brown back for sure. He actually has somewhat of a chance to play in uh, either this week's game or Week 12 uh, for the Cardinals. So Marquise Brown trending in the right direction, but... Those are the big injury updates I have for you so far. And again, we will let you know more when we talk to you on Thursday. But do your best. Uh, if you're a Cooper Cup owner, definitely plan to be without him for a couple weeks. You're going to want to make some waiver claims. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cooper Cup's definitely going to be missing a couple weeks. And like Nick said, there's a chance if they maybe lose the next two to three games that they just sit him down for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, they don't even play people in the preseason. So they, they're an organization I could see potentially sitting down a star, um, you know, with no hope left in the season. Um, a Cardinal situation absolutely blows my mind. Um, DeAndre Hopkins comes back from injury. People are speculating what fantasy value is going to be. Marquise Brown gets hurt. He gets inserted as the wide receiver one. Marquise Brown reported he's going to be coming back pretty soon. Zach Ertz out rest of season, so now there's one less pass catcher once Brown does come back. So his fantasy value kind of um, – it doesn't, you know, fall as much as we kind of expected it to. So um, kind of just overall just interesting in that situation when you look at it on a season-long basis. And then last thing I want to point out, I know I'm a biased Chiefs fan, but I'm sure the NFL loved the fact that that ref and crew just picked up that flag on the uh, Juju hit. I think that was probably one of the worst decisions that they uh, that they made that day. Yeah, I I got to totally disagree with you there. I don't see how the Jacksonville player could have done much. Seems like Juju created most of the contact there, to be honest. He lowered his head. Uh, I don't think Andre Sisco really did much wrong there. So I watched that replay a few times, and uh, he turned his body and ended up just kind of cracking his shoulder directly into Juju's head. Sort of an unfortunate situation, but I thought Juju kind of created most of the contact there, in my opinion. In there too. Right, but Juju created—it seems like he lowered his head into uh, number five on Jacksonville. So I think that was just kind of a he bad timing play across the middle. And, uh, you know, just, just something that I, I feel like that defender could not have avoided whatsoever. So I kind of agreed with the call myself, but again, I'm, 
I'm a Broncos fan. I never want to see anybody get hurt. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, might have just, a different lens on Like I said, play. I am biased. I, so I didn't see it the way you did. I, I get it. Nope, I um, get it. I'm definitely biased. I just, whenever I see Juju laying there, just basically looking unconscious for uh, a couple minutes, definitely, you know, and looks, then they threw the flag and immediately picked it up. It looks pretty bad, but, you know, from an unbiased view, they probably see it, you know, very similar to the way you see it. I'm I'm very biased towards the Chiefs, so. Yeah, definitely it. looked really nasty. I was, I was very surprised. Most of the time something like that happens, they just throw the flag out of, you know, just out of reactionary uh, it doesn't really there matter were a couple if the defender was right or wrong. That I couldn't even believe got thrown. And yeah. Then you have um, yeah the, play like the that commanders ended up losing up, so. after that pass interference call. That was just horrible. An offensive pass interference yeah. that was not. But anyway, we'll get to that when we uh, we talk about the game. But let's go ahead and start on these For matchups sure. so we can uh, get through them in a somewhat orderly manner. Uh, the fir- first one, the Thursday night game, Atlanta Carolina. This one can be pretty quick. Uh, my stat of the game is on the Atlanta side. Tyler, Tyler Algier has the indubious record of negative 17 receiving yards in this one. Uh, it's the lowest total by anyone with at least three catches in a game since 1995. That was Chris Warren of the Bengals, but I thought that was pretty interesting when I saw the line. Uh, sometimes when I'm looking for these stats of the game, I sort of just go through uh, the the box score and see if there's anything that pops out, and this one was pretty immediate, seeing three for negative 17 on Tyler Algier's line. I can't believe I, I did not actually watch a lot of this game, but... I can't. I just can't even imagine how that happened. But um, on the you Atlanta side, you into Atlanta, Carolina. <laughs> I, uh, I had a, I had some nice blues tickets on Thursday night, actually. So I was sitting in a in a box for for my uh, my girlfriend's job at Boeing. Shout out, Lana. So you're not Thank you for those yet. tickets. Um, so on the Atlanta side, as far as reaction here, uh, Cordero Patterson's kind of my biggest takeaway. Did not progress as we had thought he might. Only 38% of snaps in this one, actually down from 39% of snaps the week before. Was only four days after his, uh, you know, game that he had just returned from injury, so they might still just be working him back in, but pretty much a dud from Patterson for fantasy perspective. Hopefully he can get worked uh, worked in a little bit more in future weeks. Maybe the, the extra rest will help him a little bit. Uh, 10-day turnaround here, gets to play the Bears. Should be a high-scoring affair this Sunday. Drake London, nice to see him uh, have a decent outing here. Uh, five catches, 38 yards, and a score. Again, uh, kind of like these Atlanta options coming up this week just because of the matchup, but uh, these these guys kind of are what they are, especially in the passing game. They're going to be capped by Mariota. And then, uh, you know, just, just hoping Patterson kind of takes over more of the share so we have someone to play on this team confidently. Yeah, if you need a flex option this week, I do think Drake London would be uh, a good option against Chicago. So, if he's out there and you need a, someone you can pick up and play, I think he's definitely in consideration. And uh, it is worth noting Cordero Patterson did come back, play Sun, come back for, came back from the injury, played Sunday, and then had a quick turnaround to a Thursday night game. Right. Um, and then that's probably why, again, like he didn't get worked in as much as we thought. The full 10 days off, like Nick pointed out, probably I would expect to see him get um, – you know, a good a good jump in percentage at least on both snaps and um, you know his carries going up as well. So, uh, hopefully the break did well for him. But I would just you know going into next week probably just temper expectations a little bit on Patterson. Um, but I would expect it, I would expect next week to be better for him. And then uh, on the Carolina side of this one, uh, Deontay Foreman once again dominates against Atlanta. 
in this 25 to 15 win for the Panthers. Uh, I have a I have another little bonus stat for us here. Deonta Foreman in two games against Atlanta this year has four rushing touchdowns. In Deonta Foreman's 34 other NFL games in his career, he has five rushing touchdowns. So I think that uh, that stat just tells us that we should maybe temper our expectations on Foreman a little bit, sort of realize he's going to be matchup dependent. Uh, he can get game scripted out as we saw when uh, you know the Panthers went down big against the Bengals. But uh, considering his usage, he's got to be in the RB2 tier for now. And again, it's just going to come down to matchup a lot of the time for De uh, Deonta Foreman. Another dud from DJ Moore in this one, uh, four for 29 on six targets. But uh, he didn't really have much of a shot. The passing offense uh, only attempted 16 passes in this one from P.J. Walker. It was raining, and uh, the Panthers were up for most of the game. And Deonta Foreman ended up with only over 30 carries in this one. So we kind of see where they were focusing not necessarily worried about more. You just kind of have to know what sort of player you have. He's a boom bust, uh, wide receiver three, probably a higher end wide receiver three, but he can easily have games like this. Again, somebody you're going to have to just consider the game script for. Yep, he's a wide, re wide receiver three for that reason. These, these games come up probably a little bit more often than you'd like to see from a boom bust guy, but... That is what he is. So you just you know you will, in a shallower league you'd like him as you know a second flex or something like that, just a potential boom and, and win you a week like he did a couple weeks ago. But um, you know you don't you don't want to be counting on DJ Moore going into the uh, fantasy playoffs as someone that you need to get points from. So if that's how your roster is constructed and you have an overall good team, I would just probably try to sure up your wide receiver position a little bit more. Yeah, 100%. Moore is uh, someone you just kind of need to know what asset you have there. And uh, he will have better weeks in the future, but he'll have weeks like this as well. So you're just going to, you know, you're going to have to live with the peaks and valleys here. Um, Seattle at Tampa Bay, the Germany game. Uh, this was uh, the 830 game this Sunday. Tampa Bay takes it 21 to 16. Shout out to Cody. Had the under in this one, had it basically all the way. Three fourth quarter touchdowns gave us, uh, you know, a little bit of sweat there. But even considering that, he cleared his uh, 44 and a half under pretty easily here. So again, shout out to Cody. We'll be uh, pointing out all of our good bets we made this weekend because we were five for six once again. <laughs> uh, on the Seattle side, there, my stat of the game comes from uh, none other than Kenneth Walker. Did not have the best fantasy output in this one, but has some encouraging trends, especially in the passing game the past few weeks. He has 12 targets in his last two games. He had 12 in his previous six. So we really like to see that from Kenneth Walker. Uh, in this one, 10 carries, 17 yards, but six for eight uh, through the uh, the air there and 55 yards uh, on the, the passing side. So completely stuffed on the ground in this one. Tampa Bay's run D has gotten healthier in recent weeks, looked a lot better. But it's good to see Kenneth Walker be uh, game script proof at this point. Seattle has sort of realized that they are just a better team when he's on the field. Passing offense was fine in this one. Uh, DK Metcalf was okay, 6 for 71. Tyler Lockett scored. Geno got you, you know, 202 with a little bit of running. So he was just above 20 points. That's kind of what you come to expect from him as well. No opinions changed on Seattle. I'm just encouraged by uh, them throwing the ball to Walker. Yep, I, I think you nailed it with uh, with Seattle. I don't have too much to add there. It's kind of, I mean, really just the week you expected to have uh, against Tampa Bay. So I don't think really anybody's stock changed too much this week. I think, like you said, Kenneth Walker, it's just nice to see him get more passing 
involvement because in games like this where he is just completely stuffed, he uh, he doesn't put up a dud for you. He ended up getting a few uh, six catches for 55 yards, so kind of saved his fantasy day there. And if he could have gotten the end zone once, he would have had a pretty solid week. So um, it's very good to see that from him. Great game from Rashad White in this one, mostly from an NFL perspective. Uh, 22 for 105, so if you're in a non-PBR situation, he probably had a pretty good game for you. Ten and a half from running back is going to get it done more and a half than more often than not, but didn't catch any passes, so any sort of PBR setting, he was a little underwhelming. Just good to see the usage. Uh, I'm encouraged by that. Uh, I, I was a little bit more excited when I thought this Leonard Fournette injury was you know more severe than it is. Seems like he's going to be back after the bye, so... They'll probably be splitting to some degree. Seems like Tampa's going to ride with a bit of a hot hand approach. But I will say White did start this game. He got the first carry off the bat, so it seems like they want to get him going. And at the very least, you're going to have uh, an asset that's going to split the backfield here with Leonard Fournette. And it seems like Tampa kind of wants to establish it a little more than they have so far this year, as they probably should considering their situation. So uh, I think Rashad White's probably at least a flex-level asset moving forward. And he has a chance to emerge as the uh, the go-to guy here and be you know kind of an RB2 down the stretch. But we'll just have to see how severe Fournette's injury is and sort of how uh, this, this split plays out. But he really did show himself pretty well in the fourth quarter after after Fournette went down and he was you know given the given the rock. I think about eight or uh, yep. eight or nine times in the fourth quarter. He looked good. Um, yeah. Passing offense was solid in this one. I'll let you get to uh, the the Rashad White point if oh, you want good. to touch on it after this. But Brady finally got to multiple touchdowns. N- no opinions really changed. Mike Evans had sort, somewhat of a down game, but again, hyper targets. Godwin and Evans gets the touchdown to Godwin in this one, and uh, you know it's just about scoring for those guys. So they'll be fine moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't really have too much on Rashad White. I did want to uh, – Tampa Bay is going into their bye week, correct? They are, yep. Cool. So if Rashad White should be rostered in all leagues. If he's not, make sure you get him. Hold him through the bye, of course. Um, and then Leonard Fournette's obviously rostered. He's just a hold right now. If you can get value for him, I would at this point because it looks like Rashad White's going to be uh, involved the rest of season. But um, – you know, and, and like you said, with the receiving options, nothing really changed for me. Um, Chris Godwin got in the end zone. That's really nice to see. I think if if I'm a good team in a in my league and I don't have Chris Godwin, I and maybe the owner who has Chris uh, Chris Godwin needs to get a win this upcoming week. If you could flip him, you know, get Chris Godwin for you know a wide receiver two type that's playing this week for for your uh, for the other guy in your league. Try and make moves like that. High-level fantasy football, you're going to get a really good player for hopefully someone a little bit lesser, but um, you know you have to hold them through the bye, and I think it's totally worth it. I, I personally like Chris Godwin more than Mike Evans' rest of the season, but Mike Evans always has that potential of just a huge boom game. So if you wanted to make the move for Mike Evans, his value is pretty low for him right now. I don't mind that either. Yeah, I think both of these guys should have solid ends to the year. Seems like this Bucks offense is figuring things out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Godwin's just going to get healthier week by week as long as he doesn't end up re-aggravating that knee somehow. So I think he's only going to get better as the year goes on. Half and full PBR, definitely agree. I'll take Godwin. Non-PBR, I'd probably take Evans just for the touchdown up- upside, That's like fair. you said. Uh, both these teams, by the way, Seattle and Tampa Bay, moving into their bye next week. So if you have anyone on these teams you're relying on, uh, like someone on this podcast might, uh, you're going to have to make some waiver claims this week. So <laughs> just be sure to pay attention as we move along here. 
this next game we will talk about very quickly because uh, it does not deserve much attention. That is Denver at Tennessee. Tennessee wins at 17 to 10. My stat of the game, and really the stat that describes the NFL or that the Broncos season so far, Corliss Waitman leads the NFL in punts with 54. He had nine on Sunday. Uh, the Washington Commanders punter, whose name is escaping right right now, was actually second coming into tonight, and he could have passed him, but I believe the Commanders only punted one time in this game, or maybe maybe twice. So. Uh, their offense got it going a bit, even on the road against the Eagles. Uh, yeah, the Broncos should be just absolutely embarrassed with themselves. They are a horrible football team, and it is not the fault of the defense. It might be the best defense in the NFL, actually. I, I think there's a very good argument to be made for that. So even after losing Bradley Chubb, they looked amazing. It was all on the offense. Russell Wilson was absolutely horrible in this one. Uh, he took six sacks. Uh, the, the offensive line got beat up even further. Two starters left in this game, but... A lot of them were not on the offensive line. Russell Wilson holding the ball entirely too long many times in this game. Had plenty of opportunities to get rid of it, at least throw it away, and uh, just held on to the ball too long. And even when he did get rid of it, 21 of 42. Horrible 50% completion percentage. 286 uh, touchdown and a pick. And if he hadn't had that sort of broken play touchdown, where I will give him some credit because I believe he did audible um, and called that you know, called that route at the line and got his guy wide open. So credit to Russ there, but if he hadn't had that play, this line would look even worse than it does. So uh, he has not figured anything out over the bye. And I, I, I did make a note in here that losing Judy might kill any, you know, future stash candidacy like we were touting the past couple weeks, but uh, it looks like he's going to be okay. So um, you, you can still hang on to him if you want, but this was not very encouraging. Sutton's usage should keep him in flex discussion. Uh, he had 11 targets, but again, Judy shouldn't be should be back sooner rather than later. So, I, I think all of these guys are pretty much just flex level assets that you're sort of just crossing your fingers on week to week. Uh, the running backs are completely unusable, and then a really disappointing game from Greg Dulcich too. I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass, but only 11 yards. I thought he had a higher floor than that. Four targets. Russ missed him on a big play that would have been a 50-plus yard touchdown just by an inch or so. Dulcich made a great diving effort and got his hand on it, but uh, Russ could have hit him there for a touchdown. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about the Broncos anymore. Yeah, he should have. Uh, there was not I mean, much was, separation, but it was there. Uh, it was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was able to be had. So yeah, I don't want to talk yes. about the Broncos anymore, Cody. You go ahead. No, uh, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to add. You kind of nailed it on the head here. Um, Sutton and Judy, both just flex-level players, kind of both boom-bust and limited ceilings. So if you're relying on either of these guys, these are guys I would try and include in a trade-away package for another player, uh, someone you can have a little bit more reliability on. Um, I agree with you. I I mean, I have Russ in a two-quarterback league. It's uh, the same league where I fell the three and seven, and he's a big part of the reason why. So I mean, he just I can't overcome a quarterback just basically, you know, doing nothing, you know, having almost no boom weeks the entire year. So um, Dulcich, I agree with you. I wish he had a higher ceiling, but he should have had a touchdown catch. So um, I, I he had so he had four targets. I, I would definitely give him another chance next week. I'm not giving up on him. Um, and then I just want to add my stat of the season, and this is just a testament to your defense more than anything. If the Broncos could have scored 18 points in all nine games, they would be eight and one right now. 
Yeah, that that again, combined with the punting stats, sort of just says it all. Um, their their defense yeah. is elite. Their offense is the worst in the league. So um, just I just say continue to bet on those Denver Broncos unders. It, it seems like those are just going to keep hitting no matter what. Even if they put them down at thirty seven, they're just going to keep hitting. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, the offense is real bad, and the defense is. Good. It was thirty-six sort of and a half at one point. Yeah, yeah that's and right. It could have been thirty, and it still would have gone under. So, um, <laughs> the Tennessee side's kind of. I think we can even have a shorter conversation. It was tough sledding for Henry. Yep. Clearly, the Broncos keyed in on him as they should have, and uh, they shut him down for the most part. So, kudos to the defense once again. Henry, uh, fifty-three yards on the ground, nineteen carries, two for three through the air, fourteen yards. Um, again, I'm, I'm trucking this more up to the Denver Broncos defense than I am Derrick Henry. They really, uh, really focused on stopping him, and it opened up a few big plays in the passing game. But uh, we're not bra- we're not buying, or at least I'm not buying Nick Westbrook Akine. Five for eight, 119 yards, two scores. But uh, his second touchdown came on a flea flicker, kind of a broken play where two defenders tripped over each other, uh, kind of running through the coverage there. And then Akine got a broken touchdown there with no one on the backside to even touch him. So without that, he would have been a four for 56 and a touchdown. So I, I'm not really looking here for anything moving forward at all. I think he could easily you know, go two for 20 next week and no one would be surprised. I think the guy I'm stashing is Traylon Burks on the passing side. Yep, Tennessee is super easy for me. Give me Derrick Henry. Give me Traylon Burks. Um, you can obviously Henry every week starter. Traylon Burks just stashing until you kind of see it at this point, but he should be their number one guy there. So at this point, that's all you can do with Tennessee. Um, I just, you know, none of these other receivers and combined with Ryan Tannehill are going to be consistent enough to uh, throw into your fantasy lineup on a weekly basis. And even on a boom-bust consideration, I mean, rest. Westbrook Akine is probably busted every other game this year except for this one, so I'm not going to buy it on it at all. Yeah, no, it, again, it came down to that That big play was half of his production, and that really you could have had anybody running that route, and they would have scored just the same. It was nothing yep. he did. It was just the uh, the flea flicker and then the, the broken coverage there on the Broncos side. But uh, Traylon Burks did actually, I believe he played 70-plus percent of snaps, so that was good to see. He didn't get a ton of production, but again, this, this Broncos defense is good, so moving forward, seems like he First is at least back. somewhat healthy. Yeah. Um, this is the game that everyone is talking about. This is the probably the game of the year so far, and not to toot my own horn, but was my Super Bowl prediction before this year began. So if we can get a game like 60% of this of this caliber in the Super Bowl, I'd be pretty darn happy. That was Minnesota at Buffalo. Minnesota wins it 33-30 to in overtime. Uh, unfortunately, a pretty bad beat for my final uh, bet. The only one we lost this week at Buffalo minus three. They uh, they should have won it a couple different times, but I'm not even too upset just because of how amazing this game was to watch. That was uh, that was a pretty fun one. My stat of the game is uh, of course for Justin Jefferson as it should be. He was the story here. This was his 20th 100 plus receiving yard game in his career so far. Already a record for any player in his first three seasons and. JJ still has, uh, let me count this out, nine games to go this year. So, or actually eight games to go this year. Uh, so he's got plenty of time to add to that record, and he's already got it. He's only 88 yards away from breaking uh, Randy Moss's NFL record for yards in his first three seasons as well. So great start from Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase might break any records that he sets uh, by the time his third year is over, but still, uh, what an amazing player. And he was uh, just in his bag on Sunday, 10 for 16, 193 and a score. I've never seen a wide receiver 
take like single-handedly win a game on the road against this quality of an opponent, but that's really what happened here. Honestly, I, I mean, Dalvin cook kind of brought them back into it with that long 81 yard touchdown uh, early in the fourth quarter, but JJ really did it for him all day. Kirk cousins did not play very well. He had a couple just Kirk cousins esque throws in prime time that were horrible. And even that fourth and 18 throw hard for me to give cousins any credit for that. Justin Jefferson, one of the best catchers I've ever seen. Cody, I don't know if you've seen any replays of it. I After I saw them, I, I kind of came back a little bit. As, as soon as it happened, I think I texted you. That was the best catch I've ever seen in my life. And I, I, was, I was pretty sure of it at the time. But it, it kind of looks like the defender ended up helping him more than hurting him, to be honest. Sort of kept that ball in his hand. Uh, like it, it was just kind of an unfortunate situation where the defender was trying to catch it. And he grabbed onto it and sort of and like helped Justin Jefferson hang on to it. But still, just an absolutely ridiculous catch. And he's really good. Uh, the rest of the Vikings, kind of the same, uh, you know, same, same uh, value coming in that they were uh, coming into this game. Cook obviously had that big touchdown. He was good. Hawk and Thielen were a little unspectacular, but Justin Jefferson did not leave a lot for anybody else in this one. So really just props to JJ here and uh, everybody else kind of status quo for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I understand your what you mean with the catch because it does like the defender does help him a little bit, but also for him to be able to fall to the ground and basically still be able to like just his arm angle and how he kind of fell and then his just ability to continue to hold onto the ball and not just have it taken out of his hand. I don't know. Like I I get that it was maybe a little bit assisted on the way down, but just the fact that it wasn't ripped out at any point um, and he basically had it by one hand the entire time is pretty damn impressive. So um, I I don't know, maybe, maybe not the greatest catch of all time, like you said, but it's definitely up there in consideration with, with the best of them. Um, and another, I mean, Stefan Diggs had one that's going to be right up there as well. Yeah, but really like is. you said, with the, with the other Vikings guys here, um, Thielen, you know, we we said we were kind of expecting an unspectacular performance, so you know, kind of called that one. Hawkinson, I'm not too worried about. He did end up getting seven, getting seven receptions and ten targets. So yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, Minnesota was, yeah, he was. They weren't a very pass heavy game script, but um, any tight end that's getting ten targets is valuable for fantasy football. So especially if you're in any form of a PPR league. Uh, you know, not happy with Hawkins, not overly happy with Hawkins' performance, but you have to be happy the way things are trending with him overall. Yeah, 100%. Uh, like Hawkinson's value right now in Minnesota, really feels like they're making him a core part of this offense. Had a couple end zone targets he almost came down with, too, so could have had a much better day in this one. Uh, if he's going to be getting anywhere near 10 targets every week, he'll be a very, very solid tight end. Might even have a chance to move above his perennial tight end six status. So uh, Get him to be to determined five. on TJ Hawkinson. But good good, uh, good vibes so far with him in Minnesota. On the Buffalo side, Josh Allen did not play his best game in this one. Still did just fine for fantasy. Uh, 3.30 in the touchdown through the air, threw a couple picks, one that ended the game in overtime. Did his Josh Allen thing on the ground as well. Six for 84. Did lose a fumble. So three turnovers from Josh Allen. Not uh, necessarily uh, what you come to expect from him. But again, it seemed like he was just kind of had his moments of wild inaccuracy, as you might expect from someone tending to an elbow ligament injury in his throwing elbow. So I'm not really that worried about Josh Allen. I think he'll be fine. Uh, just again, if you take two or three of those plays back, he uh, the, the Buffalo Bills probably win this game by a couple touchdowns. 
Um, Devin Singletary had some positive TD regression, regression in this one. Did not have a rushing touchdown coming into the game. Got two in this one, 13 for 47, two scores. Lost a fumble. Again, kind of bad luck on that one. Just got it punched out right before his elbow hit the ground. Just a good play by the defender. Might be a sell-high candidate there if you can get a reasonable asset. I, again, not really changing my opinion on anyone on this offense. Diggs and Davis did their thing. They got boom games. Diggs 12 for 128. Davis 6 for 93 and a score. Uh, I honestly probably most encouraged by Davis in this one. He didn't really have his prototypical big play, and he still came through with uh, solid production, even though he got uh, a pretty big assist on that, I guess, 25-ish yard catch on the last drive that was definitely not a catch. Yeah, but even if he's 5 for 70 with a TD, you'd be happy with that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it wasn't a catch. I, I was going to say, when you were, like, texting me yesterday saying it was a catch, I'm like, am I just not seeing this correctly? <laughs> I was like, what in the world? I, what is he talking about? But, um, no, I, I agree. Um, the good thing about Davis moving forward is whether you want to believe in him or you're looking to potentially trade him for a different asset, this just gives you a really good platform either way. Now he has, you know, a potential baseline if he's able to get you know six receptions a game he doesn't have to be a big play for him to um be relevant for fantasy so i would say overall everyone else stayed the same davis maybe got a little bit of a tick up for me but that's because i was down on davis uh probably compared to you going into the week so um it was good to see that out of him one thing about josh allen that just concerns me is he plays so freaking hard and it's so admirable but you got to protect yourself at some point. Like you, you, you don't got like when you got a bad elbow, you don't got to be going in trying to punch out. You know, trying to punch out for Goodness. a fumble on an interception you just thrown. Like it's it's all right, man. You're Josh Allen. You can drive the field in like ten seconds. You you don't have to make those kind of plays. If you get the ball back, you can do just about anything. So, but if you're not on the field, you cannot do anything at all. So. Just if you got to, just relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just... if I'm Sh- if I'm Sean McDermott, I am going to Josh Allen. I'm saying if you throw an interception, you just you turn around, you lay out on of the, the ground, point. you lay on the ground, you don't touch anyone or do anything. He, it was a both of those interceptions. I feel like he got in on the tackle, and one of them he threw his bad elbow in to like make up. It was just like Josh, please, you are. Way too I mean, important to this team. This is a regular season game against the NFC. Too. Yeah, it's it was it was wild oh. how much he did not act like he was injured. But uh, he's a big boy and it looks like he's all right. Hopefully, he will be more healthy moving forward. But yeah, definitely would advise more caution if uh, if it was me. Uh, Cody, let's go ahead and talk about your team. They're a little bit uh, better than the one that I root for. Uh, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Kansas City wins at 27-17, barely covering that 9.5-point spread. I think your bet that you gave was the right side of this one, honestly. Just, uh, again, KC just barely covers in this one, so uh, you're not going to win them all. But Jacksonville, this game pretty much played out exactly how we expected. Uh, they, they went down. It wasn't that early, but I think they were down two scores by about 10 minutes into the second quarter. And Trevor Lawrence was throwing a lot after that, just kind of playing some catch-up ball, had 40 throws, had 259-2, and two, added 26 yards on the ground. So pretty solid for a streamer. I think you'll take that pretty much all day. And then Christian Kirk, the main beneficiary, 9 for 105 on 12 targets, scored both the touchdowns. Monster day for him. Zay Jones was solid too, had 10 targets, 8 catches for 68 yards. Uh, I think he's really only a PPR or half PPR play, but he, again, in the right game script, can be usable. And then uh, ETN, 
not a great day. Uh, 11 for 45 on the ground, 3 for 3 through the air for 28 yards. You know, he was fine, just didn't get into the end zone like he has the past few weeks. I'm not really worried about him at all. Uh, they kind of had to completely abandon the running game. Uh, and this one obviously going down pretty early to KC, but I would just like to see them throw the ball to him a little bit more. Only three targets again in this one, even though Trevor Lawrence, again, like I said, attempted 40 passes. Just He's pretty good when he gets the ball in space. I think they should just try and call a couple more screens. Might help uh, ease that pass rush a little bit too. But uh, again, I think this, this game kind of played out exactly how we thought it would for Jacksonville. Their offense was fine and did enough for most of their options to, to provide for fantasy. Yeah, I will say the Jacksonville offense um, does not set up really any screens, like no wide receiver screens and no running back screens. At least they didn't against the Chiefs. I don't know if that was a game plan or if that's what they've been doing all year. Um, but, I mean, I can't even remember a play where they actually ran one, so kind of kind of weird there. It, a lot of just letting Trevor Lawrence drop back and go through his progressions, which I don't mind, but... Against a pass rush like the Chiefs, I mean, that should have been a game where ETN was just out in the flat and got himself, you know, five, six, seven receptions this game. So, um, you know, I mean, Kirk did have a good day. So, I mean, it was working a little bit pushing it down the field. But, I mean, if you go back, a lot of their drives were just stopped by giving up sacks. And if, you know, he could have dumped that off to ETN, maybe they, you know, get a couple more points, obviously cover the spread and, you know, are are at least alive in this game in the second half. It was pretty much just Kansas City uh, playing keep away for most of the second half in this game. Yeah, that's I, it. That does just does. That's the part that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. That's it, that is exactly how ETN profiles as a great guy to get out in the flat. He can be your you know secondary option when the play down the field isn't there. Dump it off to him, let him try to make a guy miss and uh, create some yards after the catch. It's sort of what he does and what he did at the collegiate level and kind of what he's shown in the NFL so far this year. But they just have not made that a part of their offense for whatever reason. Um, and then on the Kansas City side, I have my stat of the game for your boy, Patrick Mahomes. I threw this one in for you to throw you a bone. Uh, he passed Dan Marino for the most passing touchdowns through a QB's first 75 games. And that was in only 72 for Patrick Mahomes. He is number one with 176. Marino is number two with 173. And then all the way down at number three, Aaron Rodgers with 148. So Mahomes and Marino really uh, separating themselves early in their career. This is just kind of showcasing how much rarefied air he is in uh, so far in his NFL career. But he was great, had four touchdowns in this one, 331 through the air, did throw a late pick that was kind of uncharacteristic but did not end up hurting him very much. Had 39 yards on the ground as well. He's very good. He's probably the QB1 rest of season. I think him and Josh Allen are neck and neck. Considering the elbow injury, I wouldn't blame you for going Mahomes. Kelsey was very good. Um, you know, he's six for 81. He's just reliable, had a touchdown as well in this one and sort of just spread out beyond him. I think Tony's the one guy we need to talk about. Cody, I'm going to go ahead and throw this to you because, uh, again, I think you probably watched this game a little bit closer than I did. So maybe you have a different perspective on this Tony thing than I do, but, uh, I'll just let you give your opinion before I get mine. Yeah, uh, sounds good. I, I'll go ahead and touch on Mahomes and Kelsey real quick as well. Not much sure, as Kelsey, sure. but yeah, Mahomes is Mahomes is amazing. Um, I mean, he, a little bit of credit to Andy Reid as well. That offense really just, you know, similar to Marino and the offense that was ran for him. It's just, it's made to have quarterbacks produce. Also pretty wild. Like, imagine Marino back in the day. Like, that was not a passing era. So, like, this guy was just lighting the world on fire is probably one of the only guys doing it like that. So, 
Um, thinking back, like, you know, when he was in his prime, that's crazy. Um, yeah, and then Mahomes is – like, you think about how good Mahomes has been through 75 games, like – or I guess 72. Marino was doing that in, the, in an era where passing the football was not the first option for the majority of teams. Now, it was for his team, but pretty crazy. Um, but Kadarius Toney, um, in my opinion, this is the first Chiefs player outside of Kelsey or Mahomes that I – would potentially try to go get if you do not already have him. Um, he, watching the game, he is the closest thing to. Uh, I w- I'm not gonna. He's the closest thing to Tyree Kill in close space. He just finds a way to make people miss him and can break tackles. And he's a little bit bigger, so I feel like he can kind of power run a little bit harder than maybe Tyreek could have. But. Um, I, I don't know. I'm really excited for him. He's getting worked in, obviously. Um, didn't do too much last week against Tennessee, but uh, with Juju going down, they definitely had some plays uh, designed up for him. Uh, I mean, he looks healthy as he ever has been. So, um, I mean, he can be really dangerous if he is used as the wide receiver one in this offense. Now, that's where, you know, I'm sure Nick's concern is going to come in is Juju may miss some times, but Hardman's going to come back next week. So, you know, how is that going to play out? And um, I'm not telling you to go out and sell a good player for Kadarius Tony, but if you can add him as, you know, for a flex level player still, if the guy in your league is willing to do something like that, I would because he has shown something in two games and really just this one game on the field with, um, the Chiefs offense that really Juju, MVS, and McColl have never really shown, um, in my opinion, just watching them. So maybe more, again, Chiefs bias. I, I So if you don't want to take my opinion on Chiefs players, especially when I'm high on them, I completely understand. But he is the first guy that I would say go out there and try to get if you do not have him. If you can get him for a reasonable price, of course. Yeah, he's probably the Chiefs wide receiver I want rest of season if I had to choose. But again, I think this is just going to be a lot by committee. You've got Tony, you've got Hardman, you've got MVS, and you've got Juju behind Kelsey. And then, uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield as well. So just lots of mouths to feed. I think Tony looks really good, like you said. He passes the eye test for sure. Uh, Will be used on some gadget plays. But I think his role and Nicole Hardman's role overlap quite a bit. And I would. I'm hard pressed to believe that they will just phase Hardman completely out of the offense after he, uh, you know, looked pretty good while he was healthy the past few weeks. So, I think uh, he'll split time with those guys. And again, he's just going to kind of be a boom bust flex sort of guy, in my opinion, just because it's just hard to spread the ball out to four different guys every single game and have all of them produce for fantasy. So, that's my opinion on Tony. I think. Like you said, definitely has the highest upside if Juju's out for a little bit longer than we think. Maybe Hardman is too. Then that could change things. But uh, as it stands, if if three of those four guys are in, it's just going to be hard for me to trust any of them. Yeah, that's understandable. I, I do not blame you there at all. I think Isaiah Pacheco uh, – yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to make a joke and say, did you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the game? But I did remember he actually did make it on the field for one play. I was going to say, I think he had four (laughs) snaps in this one. If I I think I heard a stat earlier. So, I, you know, if you you blinked, you might have missed Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this one. Uh, Hopefully you sold high on him when we we told you to back in uh, week four or five. You are probably looking at a dropple candidate at this point, but uh, that'll oh, kind of go sure. to our point. Yeah, you can definitely punt him off of your fantasy rosters at this point. He is an injury or maybe even two away from relevance. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, 
may have gained the most value. He had 16 of the 17 RB carries, uh, 16 for 82, lost a fumble, didn't catch a pass, or was not and was not targeted. That's kind of my concern here. Uh, it seems like they've sort of just, you know, found their roles. Jarek McKinnon is going to be the passing downs guy. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be the early down hammer. Um, and in a game where they were up multiple scores early, he still didn't produce very well for fantasy. I think, you know, touchdown regression, if he gets a couple on the ground, that will help him later in the year. But I'm not really that excited about him. I'd call him more of a flex play. I just think this offense runs through Mahomes, and it's going to run through Mahomes most of the time, especially in games where, you know, they're not leading as much as they were in this one. Like you like to point out, the Chiefs somewhat play down to their competition from time to time. So, Mahomes is just necessary in a lot of these games when he might, you know, might not normally be on better teams like this. But uh, I don't know how you feel about Pacheco. I'm I'm not that excited, even though he kind of took over this backfield from a carry standpoint. Yeah, he he definitely took over the backfield, and um, I mean, if you have stashed him, you have a flexible option. But I'm right there with you. I just do not trust any of these uh, running back options um, enough to solidified them as an every week starter um as you pointed out here he does have he did get 16 out of the 17 running back carries but you know still just the the Chiefs offense does not want to run the football um really at all I mean their version of running the football are are throwing these quick screens like they do their receivers so I mean you know ultimately like in the red zone I'm going to bet on a Kelsey rushing touchdown or like on the one yard line for instance I'm going to bet on a Kelsey or um. Uh. Now the guys. Now his names leave my mind. But they're backup tight end. I'm gonna expect one of those two Noah to have Gray. a rushing touchdown before Noah Gray. Before Pacheco does. I mean, they just they design trick plays in the red zone. It's all the ball is always in Mahomes' hands. Like it's gonna have to be a weird play for the, one of these running backs really to get into the end zone or a big play off uh, through the ground. So. I, I'm not a big fan of them moving forward. Um, if if you can find someone who's a believer in Pacheco and flip them, I'm totally fine doing that. Just any Chiefs running back option until they get a dominant guy isn't going to be that that reliable for fantasy. Honestly, wish they would have flipped a fourth round pick for Kareem Hunt and got him back, but I know that there's probably some organizational issues with. Yeah, that goal, I think so. that's the biggest thing is that that just from an optics perspective probably wouldn't have looked very good. But uh, to your point about Pacheco, they had 61 plays before the kneel down at the end of the game from Holmes, 41 dropbacks, 20 rushing attempts total, two of them to Tony, and then uh, another one. Two. Oh, I just had it. Um, they had another gadget play type of rushing attempt, but again, the, the point is is that uh, the Chiefs just run their offense through Mahomes even when they're winning the game, so uh, it's going to be tough for any running back to be consistent, especially one that doesn't sure. catch the ball. Uh, Cleveland at Miami is our next one. Uh, Miami won 39-17. Hopefully you took my advice on Miami, minus 3.5 at home. They crushed that line and really just beat the pulp out of Cleveland, even though Cleveland started this game up 7-0 pretty early. Uh, but on Cleveland side, c- considering the score, you can probably guess this was a bad game script for their running backs. Uh, Mick Chubb ended up saving you with a long touchdown there towards the end of the game after they were already kind of out of it. But Kareem Hunt completely dudded, six for nine, uh, one catch for ten yards for him. I I don't really know what their plan is with him. Uh, I've heard that uh, their compensatory pick that they might get for him in the offseason could be more than they would have gotten on the trade market. So I guess that's why they hung on to him. But, you know, if that isn't 
does not end up being the case, then I, I don't understand why they didn't end up just trading him and letting him go to a better situation and, you know, accepting the draft pick compensation and then just playing Dearness Johnson. But he is uh, almost unplayable in fantasy right now. You're going to really need to pick and choose a game where you know the Browns are going to be winning and they're not that good of a team right now, so that might not be so easy to do. Uh, anything to add on the Browns running backs? Obviously, Chubb is still locked into your lineup, but Kareem Hunt, yeah, he might just be uh, a high-level handcuff, really, at this point. I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, you want them to be up so he gets some rushing opportunity, but, I mean, I figured that this would be a game script that he would actually have a solid fantasy day for because they had to be throwing the football from you know, the third quarter on. And, I mean, one for one for 10 yards through the air is really the biggest thing that sticks out there for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I For me, I can't go into next week recommending to play Hunt. Um, I was pretty high on him with this game. I thought this was a good game script for him. So may have to go back to the drawing board on that one. But, you know, depending on matchup and, you know, we'll see with some injuries and who's on by. But I, don't, I can't recommend starting Hunt right now. I think he's a handcuff and if he, if he gets out on the field and, and things kind of change back and revert to the way that they were with these two in the backfield, I would get more comfortable. But for right now, um, I mean, I, he had basically an A.J. Dillon kind of week this week. So I, I got to be out on Hunt for now. Yeah, one target for Hunt, four for Chubb. That is a very concerning that's number for a Kareem Hunt owner. Yeah, that's kind of the, the area of the offense where you'd expect Hunt to excel, but not in this one and not really the past couple weeks either. Um, on the receivers, Amari Cooper continues his home road splits. Uh, he is averaging over 20 PPR points per game at home, and I believe he's averaging five PPR points per game on the road. Kind of ridiculous that split so far. <laughs> not sure it really means anything at all, but uh, kind of a ridiculous anomaly that continued to play out in this one. Only three catches on three targets for 32 yards. The lack of targets was really surprising as well. I think he was shadowed by Xavier Howard for most of this game, so it might have had something to do with it. But uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones was the main beneficiary from the passing side, 5 for 99. Uh, I believe we recommended him a couple times on the pod as a solid streaming candidate last week, so good on us for that. He came through. Uh, that's pretty much all on the Browns for me. Yeah, my, my biggest concern out of this game, um, besides Kareem Hunt, would be Amari Cooper. And do you think you can play him next week at Buffalo? Do you do you ignore the the Rome the home road split and the rough matchup and just trust the trust the player, or are you looking to pivot off of him next week and kind of you know going with the trends? I'm not really sure it's so rough of a matchup, to be honest. Buffalo's defense is very beat up right now, and you would have to figure that Cleveland is going to be throwing the ball quite a bit in that one, as they were in this one, chasing some points against the Bills, who are going to come in pretty pissed off, I'd imagine, after that loss to the Vikings and again at home. So uh, I think unless there's some wild weather-related situation in Buffalo, which you should be on the lookout for, I'm... Going to be going back to Cooper, and again, this home road split is something you probably should not be hung up on. This is most likely just an anomaly. It's just it's just kind of funny to see it playing out each week. Yep, yep, I feel you there. If you have a high-level option, I don't mind pivoting because I am a little bit concerned. Not necessarily with the home road split, but just Cooper in general. But um, yeah, I, it, if you don't have a high-level pivot option, then you just stick with Cooper for sure. And then Miami's offense was a machine all day again in this one. Tua, uh, 285 and 3 through the air. He was fantastic again. Uh, is kind of capped as far as the ceiling goes, but, you know, you'll take 280 and 3, which he's basically been, you know, 
getting consistently every single week uh, for a while now. Uh, he just looks very good, and this offense is really making it easy for him. So uh, I have a lot of confidence in him moving forward. Jeff Wilson took over uh, in this one. He we kind of we kind of talked about this last week. If he was already splitting in his first game in the uh, in the backfield, then it only stands to reason that he will continue to gain more of the share. And he really did that. Uh, on Sunday, 17 for 119 and a touchdown. Mostert was good as well, but only 8 for 65 and a touchdown. So Wilson, the clear edge in carries there. Uh, I think you can consider him an RB2 moving forward, and Mostert's probably a flex play. Going to have a pretty low floor if this is the sort of touch volume that we can expect. But in this great offense, I think he can play both of them. Uh, maybe this is uh, this is kind of the, the Chubb-Hunt situation that we, that we uh, expected at the beginning of the year from these two guys. So... Hopefully they can both produce moving forward. Good to see from Jeff Wilson. He looked fantastic on Sunday. Uh, the receivers kind of had down games, but the, the Dolphins' rushing game really took over in this one. They had 195 rushing yards on Sunday. Their previous high was only 137, so they, they kind of just got it done on the ground, not worried about any of the options that uh, didn't have huge days. Yeah, yeah, the receivers, I mean, they continue to produce, but just a down week compared to their standards. Yeah, um, they'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't touch on this stat whenever we talked about Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson threw, um, I think he they already had their bias, so through nine games in the NFL, has the most yards of any player of all time, which would be awesome for him if he was not still behind Tyreek Hill this year. So that is just how good Tyreek Hill has been so far. So, um, yeah, like I said, good, good, still a good week, just down compared to where they're normally at. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I definitely arrow up for Jeff Wilson. I mean, he's a guy that we even recommended on the uh, Trade 4 episode last Wednesday or last Thursday. So, you know, we said even though he may have been on the waiver, go get him because we, we had trust in him. So, looks like he should be considered the RB1 in this backfield. Um, I think Mostert's still going to be worked in enough to be flexible, but I, I would say that Mostert does have a, a potential of a low floor um, if there is ever a pass-heavy uh, game script for the Dolphins coming up. Yeah, 100%. I echo everything you just said there. The Dolphins are all pretty good. You're pretty happy with basically any asset they have on that offense that you had coming in, thinking uh, you know, thinking they were going to be a starter for you. Saints at Steelers, our next one. This one, not quite as much fun to talk about. Pittsburgh wins 20-10. to 10. Uh, This one I felt pretty good about coming into Sunday on that plus one and a half line for the Steelers. They came through for me pretty easily in this one, honestly. I think the, the Saints were lucky to even put up 10. They were pretty well dominated on the offensive side. Only mustered 186 yards of total offense in this one uh, and 10 total first downs. Both of those were season lows for the Saints. Their previous season lows came last week against Baltimore, uh, 243 and th- through 243 total yards and 13 first downs. So this offense on a downward tread with Andy Dalton at the helm, I would not be surprised to see Jameis Winston get another shot next week. Their season kind of already on life support at three and seven. Um, and the, the, uh, obviously the, uh, you know, the, the pieces in this offense suffered just because they did not have a lot to go around uh, a lot of three and outs. So not a lot of opportunities, only 11 for Camara, eight carries, three catches for 19 yards, uh, 26 yards on the ground. Terrible day for him, but it was really just the offense as a whole that didn't give him much to work with. And then um, another dud for Alave as well, three for five for 40 yards. Uh, I, again, I just really hope that they give Winston a shot here, maybe 
give some life to this offense. I'm not bailing on Kamara and Olave, but it's going to be tough if Andy Dalton's under center. Yeah, it is going to be tough. Um, but, I mean, a big shout-out to T.J. Watt. I mean, he comes back and this defense looks completely different. So he's just an absolute game wrecker, and I think that yes, was also is. on display. Also, shout-out Nick. Uh, recommended Pittsburgh plus one-and-a-half on the Best Bets podcast. And uh, I actually took Pittsburgh money line. Got a little bit of plus money back on that. Um, so appreciate that recommendation. But I, I agree with you when it comes to the New Orleans side of it. Um, Kamara, I mean – he is so good that he don't want to, you know, get, trade away him. But if you can find someone that's a little bit more consistent and someone's willing to take on the risk of Kamara, I mean, you got to consider it if you're, you know, looking to make a deep run in the playoffs. But we saw a couple of years ago he put up six touchdowns in the fantasy playoffs. So I'm pretty sure in the championship week. So he's that kind of player. Um, but I just – this kind of floor from him is just – utterly surprising um just the the 11 you know opportunities with the ball in his hand i think is kind of the kind of just it's disgusting he should be touching the football 15 to 20 times at a minimum with how talented he is yeah i totally agree uh again i think it just really came down to the fact that new orleans just did not have the ball enough to to really give him those opportunities it's like you know you see yep. eight carries and you're like oh well who else on this offense was getting carries he had eight of the nine running back attempts in this game right. so they really just did not have a chance to establish any sort of offensive rhythm in this one they were pretty well uh taken care of on the uh the offensive side but Pittsburgh, uh, their offense did not have to do much, as uh, you can imagine, considering the Saints didn't put up much pressure against them. But Najee Harris looked good, 20 for 99 on the ground, did not catch any passes. Uh, that passing volume is a pretty big concern for him in any sort of PPR format, but I'm glad to see that he didn't get too much of his early down work taken by Jalen Warren. Seems like he's definitely the guy you want out of those two moving forward. And uh, again, better days maybe ahead when he has some more touchdown luck had. Uh, a couple of touchdowns vultured from him on the goal line where uh, they gave an end around to George Pickens on the one, and then I believe Kenny Pickett snuck one in from the one as well. So if either one of those goes to Harris, then you're looking at him a lot differently. I uh, I would still call him a buy low if he can go get him. And then uh, the wide receiver options, uh, the, the passing volume just was not kind of what it's been so far this year because the Steelers were winning for the first time in a while. Pickens kind of bailed you out with that end around touchdown, as I said before. Three for four through the air, 32 yards, 23 on the ground, and a score. Deontay, much more efficient with his targets this time around, but only five of them. So four for 63, you'll take on five targets, honestly. I think better days are ahead for both of them when the Steelers have to throw a little bit more. Same for Pat Fryermuth, four for seven, 36 yards. Underwhelming, but you like the target share. Yeah, nothing really changed too much uh, for me on the Pittsburgh guys. I just this is a game script that they probably won't be in very much rest of the season. So yep. um, even though Najee did have a good game, I do think that you know they were just consistently running the football, which they don't get to do very often. So um, I, I don't know if he'd be a buy low for me. I'm probably still a little bit concerned with them rest of the season, but the seed they did you know. Besides this game, they just came off a stretch of probably one of the hardest schedules for uh, running backs there is. So if someone's really low on Najee, I don't mind it. In a full PPR, I probably am really concerned about trading for him, but don't mind it there. Um, the receiving options, yeah, I mean, you could probably get them all at a pretty decent price besides Friermuth because he's a tight end. 
Uh, so if you can go out and get Pickens and Johnson still, I would. I mean, I would imagine that their targets are going to be probably double this in the majority of Pittsburgh's games rest of season. So uh, kind of a rough game for them this week. Uh, but, you know, overall compared to where they've been, you're not overly discouraged either. Yeah, no, the offense really just was not pushed to do much at all. They were able to just kind of let Najee do his thing and bleed out the clock in the second half once they had that 10-point lead. It, it looked like a lot more than most 10-point leads do because uh, the Saints offense was getting nothing going. Absolutely. Well, I'll take over here. We'll start with uh, Detroit at Chicago. Detroit pulls out the 31-30 to win. Uh, this was actually a really good game as well, popping up on red zone quite a bit. Uh, as you'd expect with the game Justin Fields had, which I will let Nick get into in just a minute. But we'll start on the Detroit side. Um, DeAndre Swift got a smidge more work, but I, I just don't know if you'd feel good ever about playing him until we see it from him again. Um, this week was six rushing attempts for six yards, a touchdown, one for three through the air for six yards. So, um, I mean, if you did you know, try and play him this week, he got in the end zone and didn't completely kill you, but... For me, even though he does have the uh, high, you know one of the highest upsides in PPR of any running back, I just cannot feel comfortable putting him in my lineup until uh, I see it from him again. And then on the other side of that, uh, Williams had 16 rushing attempts for 59 yards and a touchdown as well. So um, he's their, their running back now for right now. Should be played as a running back too. And Swift, I think, should be you know benched um, for fantasy until he puts it back out on the field. Yeah, we kind of talked about it coming into this game. You just got to see the snapshot come up a bit from Swift. Don't think he's completely healthy, even though he was off the injury report. Uh, he's a really good player, so you're not thinking about dropping him, obviously. But just got to hold and wait and hope uh, you know he ends up getting healthy and can take 50 to 60% of the snaps, at least. Yep, and the only notable pass catcher on this team, Amon Ross St. Brown, is really good at football. Um, yes, he is. Shout out Nick. Recommended him last week to go trade for him. Um, that price just went up quite a bit. Coming off a game, 10 for 11 through the air, 118 yards receiving. Uh, didn't get into the end zone, but still just a really good day. PPR, an extraordinary day for you. So, um, you know, unfortunately didn't get in the end zone, but if this is where this guy's going to be and he has touchdown potential as well, um, I you gotta love him rest of season. Um, like I said, his price went still went up, but if you can find a way to get Amon Ross St. Brown at a reasonable price, he's still a trade for candidate in my eyes. Absolutely, his uh, his target share numbers with T.J. Hawkinson off the field uh, with the Lions the past two years are astronomical. We're looking at you know north of what Cooper Cup's target share is on the Rams when he's fully healthy. So uh, if you're getting that many looks in an offense uh, that is pretty decent as far as NFL offenses go. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's, you know, it's right in the, the median. So uh, only 26 throws from golf and got 11 targets in this one. That's a 42.3% share. Uh, St. Brown's very good. And, you know, he's going to be very good for you in any PPR, half PPR format the rest of the year. I would, you know, even be fine with him and not just, I just think he's a really good player and he has a ton of opportunity. So that's what you like to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I do want to just say Jared Goff throws a really good football a lot of the time. It's just if he had any kind of mobility, I think he could be a pretty pretty good quarterback, but he just is a complete statue. And I feel like he yeah. is like 10 years too late to the NFL. If he would have started his career, you know, when Brady did, I feel like he would have been known as a pretty good passer overall because he really does just throw a really good-looking football. But 
Uh, can't move in today's NFL. It's going to be pretty tough with those all defensive linemen coming at you. But Yeah, uh, uh, I think a lot of the time, yeah, QBs in the in this day and age, kind of you don't necessarily need to be able to run, but you do need to be able to move within the pocket. And like you said, golf has some stiff feet, does not avoid rush the rush very well. When it collapses in on him, he's pretty much toast. So there are some guys that, you know, don't have mobility necessarily, but can move within the pocket well enough to avoid the rush, and he just does not have that ability. But uh, I will agree. He had, arm strength has never been his issue. He does throw a pretty ball. Absolutely. And, Nick, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about this next guy real quick. Go ahead and uh, share your love for Justin Fields and let the world know just what he did this weekend. He's pretty good at football, Cody. Uh, I have some stats of the game, plural, this time around. It's all about my love for Justin Fields, so we're going to just uh, you know, gush over these numbers because I have been for the, uh, the past day and a half. Uh, most rushing yards by a quarterback over a five-game span in the Super Bowl era, that's 555. The 17-game pace there would be 1,887 rushing yards. Not bad. Uh, he's the only QB in the Super Bowl era with two 60-plus-yard rushing touchdowns in one season. He's done so in back-to-back -back weeks against the Dolphins and now against the Lions. He has the most carries reaching 20-plus miles per hour of anyone in the NFL, not just quarterbacks per next-gen stats. That's pretty impressive. And Fields leads all quarterbacks with 749 rushing yards this season, and that is good for sixth in the entire NFL. Uh, that is pretty impressive coming from a quarterback, especially since he's really only gotten it going these past four or five weeks. Yeah, and if that doesn't tell you enough, um, there was a league this week where – uh, this guy had Justin Fields and Rondale Moore, the only two players on his roster to score double digits, and they beat me this week because Justin Fields put up 50-plus points in that league. So he's really good at football. Um, Shout-out Justin Fields. I get to play against him because uh, old Nicholas and I play this week in our mini-dynasty league. So um, And I think low-key kind of for first place because I took over first in that league, and I think you'll be yeah. in a tie for second roster-wise. So. Uh, good, you know, hopefully Atlanta can lock him down, but I have zero faith in that because he is really, really good. Um, crazy they cannot win that game, though, against Detroit. I can't believe Detroit yeah, ended up I don't know how out. they did not win that game. That's pretty incredible. Justin Fields really uh, set me up in this one, both on the fantasy side and for my over-under that ended up clearing pretty <laughs> easily, but it was not looking so good early in the fourth quarter. They were up a touchdown. I needed uh, a touchdown plus another score, so... You're going to either need Detroit to tie the game or, uh, you know, the, the Chicago Bears to go down the field and then the Lions to come down and score a touchdown. But Justin Fields got rid of all that, threw the pick six for me, and then basically guaranteed my over at that point because we were they would have had to tie for it not to clear. So thank you, Justin yep. Fields, in all aspects. Even the, uh, you know, the bad football you played helped me out this Sunday. So I, I do appreciate it, my man. Yeah, he is... He is all you and Justin Fields, man. Got a mind meld right now. It's <laughs> fantasy. And he's helping me on the best bets on the fantasy. It's going well. Next week, uh, again, like you said, when I play you, I will be playing. I uh, will have Justin Fields in lineup at Atlanta. Luckily for you, though, basically every other person that I have on my team is either injured or on a bye next week. So it's not looking yeah, well, too great unless Justin Fields Cooper can put Cup me on his back. Out. Yeah, no Cooper yeah. Cup for me. No Rashad White, no Kenneth Walker, no Chris Godwin. Uh, a lot of a lot of my fantasy pieces are out next week, so hopefully uh, we can piece something together behind Justin Fields. 
Yeah. Well, I would say I'm looking forward to next week, but you still have Justin Fields, and I'm telling <laughs> you, he just absolutely bit me over. <laughs> so I, I have, uh, I'm still scared. But we'll get into the rest of these players real quick for the Bears. Uh, the running backs, a little bit of discussion here. Montgomery still maintained the higher snap share, 66 to 38. Uh, but Herbert does get the ball when he is out there. He actually ended up out carrying Montgomery in this game. Um, I still think Monty is the player you would want to be more comfortable playing because of the snap share. But even though he was out there more, they both ended up with 10 total touches. Uh, Herbert was more efficient with his. Neither of them got in the end zone. Uh, to me right now, I mean, I know Monty is out there more, but Herbert's getting it when he's out there. I think both these guys are flex-level players, and you know, I'm losing a lot of confidence in Monty pretty quick. Also just tough with Justin Fields because just about any time he drops back to throw the ball, he's eligible to take off for a touchdown. So just touchdown potential in this offense is kind of, you know, is very low for their running backs. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the only caveat here is that Herbert injury, if it ends up being serious and he misses a few weeks, Monty might be somewhat of a buy low here just because if you combine what Herbert and Monty are doing into one player, you might have a usable asset, especially if the touchdowns come back uh, a little bit towards you know the actual running backs in his offense. Fields is not going to score all of them each week like he has the past two. So um, you know, if one of them falls into the end zone, their day looks a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then in, out of the receiving options here, Cole Komet, uh, stream of the week, helped me on my way to being the highest scorer great this call, week great. in our league. Yeah, I mean, that was just, I mean, great call. It was almost pure luck than anything. I mean, only four receptions, but got two touchdowns out of those. So I, I'm extremely happy with that. Um, not a terrible matchup next week against Atlanta. So if you do want to continue to stream them, you can. Um, Certainly. It did look like he got... Uh, it did look like he got hurt at one point in this game, but I checked reports on multiple apps and I don't see anything about an injury to back. him. So, cool. Sounds good. Uh, and then the only other guy there is Mooney. Um, he's the only one that I, I don't mind putting out there, uh, but Fields running just, you know, Mooney dud games are entirely possible because, like I said, anytime Fields drops back, he is just liable to take off with the football. So, uh, you know, all pass catchers are going to be somewhat, you know, boom bust to a certain extent but um i think if you are flexing mooney you can continue to do so uh this offense just overall looks better and even though justin fields likes to score him from the other side of the field his running ability does keep a lot of plays or a lot of drives alive and a lot of other opportunities for offensive weapons so uh if you're flexing mooney like i said i don't mind it no, not at all. Like both of these guys moving forward, you just kind of have to know what you have. I kind of said this coming into this week. Don't go crazy on them. They're flex-level plays. Uh, in Mooney's case, uh, Komet's obviously more of a back-end uh, tight end starter at this point. Uh, probably you know a streamer in the, in a bad matchup, but uh, against Atlanta, that would constitute a... I think he's going to be in you know my top 10 tight ends next week if I did rankings. And then, uh, yeah, just just know what you know what you have in these guys. This passing volume is low, so dud games are possible. But this offense is just good right now. They're going to have touchdown opportunity, and these are the two guys that are going to be leading the way from the pass catchers. Yeah, and maybe most importantly, uh, this defense is pretty bad. So the offense Horrible. is constantly Horrible. having to uh, make things that happen. But might be my favorite thing about the Bears, honestly, is how bad this defense is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we'll move on here. Houston at the New York Giants. Uh, the Giants pulled this one out 24-16. Um, for the Houston side, nothing changed for me. Um, I'll play Pierce and probably try to avoid the rest. Um, if you need a 
Um, low-end option to start, Cooks and Collins are low-end boom-bust options. Um, I would say Collins, you know, 5 for 10, 49 and a touchdown is probably about his boom week. Maybe you can get a little bit more yardage there, but I don't see him getting more than 10 targets many other times. Um, Cooks did have a touchdown called back, which kind of, you know, took away from his day, but he's been what he's been, you know, pretty much this whole season, so... Easy takeaway here. Moving forward, I feel good with Pierce. Uh, his workload was there, and then Collins and Cooks can be low-end flex options if you absolutely have to play them. Yeah, I was glad to see Cooks get back out there and be involved in the offense after the weird situation between him and the team. Uh, seems like in the right matchup, you'll be able to play him moving forward. But, yeah, like you said, flex option at best right now. Same with Collins, probably slightly lower than Cooks just because of track record. But it's pretty much just Damian Pierce you're confident in, and then uh, Dart throws beyond that. Yep, for sure. And then on the Giants side, basically Barkley and Bust um, for you know this week and rest of season. Uh, Slayton actually had a pretty solid day, but I bet he wasn't played in very many leagues. Um, but you know, as as we said on the preview, um, even if one of these guys break out, it's going to be hard to trust Daniel Jones on a week to week basis. Saquon Barkley, thirty five rushing attempts. Um, Great to see if you started him. Not so great to see for, you know, season-long health. You don't like to see a running back get quite that many attempts. Uh, but he did manage 152 yards and a touchdown, one for one through the air for eight yards. Uh, Slayton was the notable wide receiver this week, three for four, 95 yards and a touchdown. I mean, really to me, he's nothing more than a DFS start throw. If you need to put him in a lineup similar to Collins, I can understand it, but I, I'm not going to be excited about it. And then Wandale... Two for two for 20 yards, obviously no touchdowns. In my opinion, if you've been holding them and there's someone out there you want to go get, Wandale's 100% droppable at this point. Um, even if he does have a late season breakout, you know, like I said, it's going to be hard to trust with Daniel Jones being the quarterback there. Yeah, this is what uh, the Giants want to do. If they you know, have their way in a football game, they're going to feed Barkley, and they're going to let Daniel Jones throw the ball very little, only 17 times. So you can't trust any of these pass catchers very much unless you you know, find a matchup where the Giants are going to be double-digit underdogs or something like that moving forward. Maybe later in this year we'll see if that comes to pass. But my stat of the game is Saquon Barkley related. He leads the NFL in touches after this last game with 227 with rushing yards at 931 and scrimmage yards per game at 125.3. That puts his 17-game pace at 429 touches, Cody. Like you said, that is probably a little excessive, although he does not have a contract next year with the, with the New York Giants, so maybe they're just kind of uh, you know using their asset while they have him. And then 2,131 total yards, so he's pretty good at football. Maybe not the most sustainable uh, you know strategy here for the Giants, but... Uh, with Barkley on not under contract next season, they you know might just be you know wearing the tread off those tires. Yeah, that that is actually a good point. I'm glad you brought up his contract situation because I was listening to something earlier today that said um, his team actually was the one that um, decided to go ahead and quit talking about an extension for the time being. And they were speculating that it could be because he's playing Detroit next week. So he may just try and have another absolutely <laughs> nuclear game and then try and get that contract right away. And I would not blame him whatsoever because he should absolutely light up Detroit. But, um, no, I, I agree with you. You don't want to see those many touches just from a long-term health perspective. But, you know, from a fantasy perspective, stacking up wins, you don't mind it. Um, but let's get over to the Jeff Saturday Bowl. Indianapolis at Las Vegas. 
Indianapolis Goodness. wins this one 25 to 20. Um, I don't really know what to say here, um, but we'll just start with the return of Matt Ryan. Uh, clearly, Jeff Saturday already has more pull than Frank Reich ever did, um, which I don't necessarily mind that if you're going to make a hire like this, you know, if he says put this guy out there, you got to go with Matt Ryan. That, that, that locker room had to be rejuvenated, but I mean – I just did not see it coming necessarily right away. I thought they'd go How one more game have? of Sam Ellinger, but um, I mean, yeah, pretty crazy. But the the result of it, Jonathan Taylor, welcome back. This offense looked competent. Twenty two rushing attempts, one hundred and forty seven yards, one touchdown, two for two through the air for sixteen yards. Um, overall, very solid day from him. Very happy to have him back. If you were holding on to Taylor, or if you're someone who traded for him at some point this season. Um, and then the receiving options, they finally had some life breathe, uh, uh, breathe back into them. Obviously, we were concerned about playing any of these guys. So if you took our advice, sorry, I guess. We did not expect Matt Ryan to be out there. Uh, Pittman went 7 for 9 for 53 yards. Uh, did not get in the end zone. But Paris Campbell went 7 for 9 for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Paris Campbell has been very good with Matt Ryan so far. So if you're wide receiver needy or need a potential uh pick up and play option. Paris Campbell is one of those guys you could be looking at next week. 100%. If you're a Cooper Cup owner, this is a guy you should probably be targeting. I'd be dumping a decent amount of fab on him. We're pretty late in the year at this point, so I think you should just be using the rest of your fab that you have and gearing up for the playoffs, especially if you need wins now. Go get him. He's going to get a ton of targets. Probably only uh, really viable in PPR formats, but he has been you know, a heavy, heavy target when Matt Ryan has been under center. And Going back to that point, um, I, if you're an Indianapolis fan, I, I can't imagine how upset I'd be at this. I mean, it's good that you won, but it, it basically just tanking two very winnable games that you would have had a decent shot in uh, with Matt Ryan, especially the game at home against Washington. You probably win that one if Sam Ellinger is not your quarterback. And then at New England uh, would have been tough, but I think you would have definitely had a better chance with Matt Ryan than Sam Ellinger. So you could legitimately be in the playoff picture right now if, uh, you know, he won one or both of those games. And, you know, Jim Irsay just wanted to make his point, get Frank Reich out of there and get his guy in. So he did that by basically tanking the Colts season. And I would I would just be pretty upset about that if I was a Colts fan. So good on Matt Ryan. Yeah. He deserved to be the starter on this team. And these options are going to be, you know, better for it going forward. But uh, I just – I can't believe the the decision making from the front office yeah hey jim ursay you're the owner of the team if you want to get rid of frank reich just fire him you don't yeah. have to tank your season like you know i i mean i'm glad for colts fans especially people like season ticket holders that paid a lot of money for those that at least matt ryan's should be starting the rest of the games um they should at least be more entertaining if you go to them but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a chance that we could have looked up and saw, you know, Indianapolis with, I believe they moved to four, five, and one. Is that correct? So if yep. they, I mean, if they could have won one of those games, they'd be five, four, and one, and definitely in the playoff right picture. In the and their division's oh, yeah. not, not the best. So yeah, it's. I mean, again, I, I wouldn't, you know, I said talked a little bit about the Ursay family and you know Jim Ursay the other day, but I think they're just kind of crazy in general. So. 
definitely on full display with that just decision-making this season. Um, but we'll go over to Las Vegas and talk about probably one of the worst coaching hires uh, right there with Nathaniel Hackett, or at least looking like it. I, I hate to say that, but um, overall, for a fantasy perspective, the pieces you were confident in produced uh, Jacobs, 21 rushing attempts, 78 yards and a touchdown, six for eight through the air, 28 yards. Targets. Oof. Love yep. to see that. Love to see that. Absolutely. Uh, Devontae Adams, 9 for 14, 126 yards and a touchdown. Really good week for him. Um, but really the only person I, I want to talk with to really just ask Nick about, um, did Moreau show you enough to be streamed? Um, I don't necessarily hate it, but I still feel like he's kind of in that Dawson Knox, Mike Kosecki territory. Yeah, I agree. Maybe slightly higher than those guys, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Again, four targets got in the end zone, but he's just going to be one of those boom-bust tight ends that's probably going to be, you know, you'll be happy with if he scores, and you probably won't be if he doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And Nick's stat of the game on this one, Josh McDaniels, first six game as an NFL head coach, he went 6-0. and The next 31, he's been 7-24. and um, Pretty good? crazy there. That does not sound good. Uh, no, it does not sound good. Um, also pretty crazy to think about that. And I think this may have been a reason why Matt Ryan got entered in there today. Uh, don't forget Josh McDaniels did turn his back on Jim Irsay and leave him after accepting a head coaching job for the Colts a few years ago. So there may have been a little extra incentive for the Colts to go out there to Las Vegas and kind of embarrass Josh McDaniels. So Yeah, usually um, I don't like to play into those sort of narrative-y you know, type of, of storylines, but in this case I think there is a very large chance that had at least something to do with his decision-making here just because it seems like he doesn't care as much about NFL decision-making as much as he does about his own you know, personal vendettas. So just ridiculous from their front office in general. 100%, but uh, let's get over to the game of the week on Fox at Dallas at Green Bay. Green Bay steals this one in overtime 31-28. to um, If you are, if there's a kid in your car while you're listening, mute real quick. I just want to say Vegas is a bitch. Sorry, but I cannot believe that my bet not only cashed, but I also bet Green Bay on the money line, and that one cashed just completely going with the Vegas side of it. I, again, one of my favorite calls I've ever made on a bet. Just can't believe it actually came true. Um, on the fantasy side, the game script, game script being competitive made Dak a solid quarterback. Uh, 27 for 46, 265 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Pollard finally had his big carry day. I think we pointed out that he had never had a game over 14 rushing attempts. Uh, with Zeke being gone this week, he had 22 for 115 and one touchdown. Um, I did accidentally sit Pollard, not accidentally, I made the choice, but I sat Pollard in a league and he outscored the three running backs I started uh, by himself. So that was a nice L for me, but um, he was really good this week if you did play him for sure. I think going in once Zeke comes back, they kind of go back to their timeshare. Um, but Pollard's shown enough that he he should be still involved in this offense. I think Zeke still you know has the probably 60-40 split when he's back, but um, you know it is exciting if Zeke were to miss any more time. If you're a Pollard owner, you want to hold on to him uh, for sure. And then I'll knock out the receiving options real quick. CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. Uh, with a little touch of Michael Gallup in this game, CD one for 115, 150 yards and two touchdowns. I'm pretty sure the wide receiver won on this week. Um, absolutely dominated this game. Schultz, 6 for 8, 54 yards and a touchdown. And Gallup, 4 for 7, 35. 
CD and Schultz should be started, and Gallup uh, can be played in matchups that should be competitive. But um, I don't see him being a huge factor. A huge factor. <laughs> I don't see him being a huge factor in a Dallas blowout. So Gallup is probably game script dependent, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe a good start next week at Minnesota should be a high-scoring affair in uh, Minneapolis next don't mind week. That. But uh, yeah, missed again on Dak Prescott. Did not recommend him for two weeks in a row. Uh, I believe there's a bye in the middle of it, but he was good in both games. Uh, this one ended up just being a volume play. Ended up throwing the ball 46 times. I just did not see this game script coming from Dallas. Their whole offense, really, they ended up running, I think, 79 total plays. So just a lot of volume all the way around. Pollard got 28 opportunities, 46 throws for Dak, a couple rushes. So uh, the whole offense did well. Uh, I like, love to see Dak hyper-targeting CD like that. 15 targets, something that he does not usually like to do. But maybe he just kind of, hopefully this is just him starting to realize that CD is his best wide receiver by a wide margin and kind of needs to make him a featured part of the offense. But uh, we'll see if it continues moving forward. Yeah, Pollard, uh, just a week after their running backs coach basically said that Pollard's uh, cap on snaps is about 30, he played over 70 snaps in this one. So it seems like they <laughs> found a way to get him some oxygen, I guess. But uh, I think that just goes to goes to show you probably don't listen to the coaches when it comes to you know narrative stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think once Zeke comes back, he's still going to be the starter. I I just, the, the you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys are run by Jerry Jones, and he's going to have... He's going to have his way, so Zeke will still be the starter in this backfield. Pollard will probably go back to his complimentary role, even though he's looked very good while being the starter. Yes, I, I agree with you there on the Dallas front. Let's go ahead and flip over here to Green Bay. Uh, Rodgers had a solid game. If you had played him, you honestly shouldn't have, but if he was just stuck in your roster, then congrats. He went 14 for 20, 224, got, or threw three touchdowns, which really helped bolster his week. Uh, really not a lot of volume there, which we'll get into with the wide receivers, but um, still got three touchdowns. The running back room, uh, Jones is an absolute beast, and uh, you know Dylan did get featured a little bit more in this game, but I still think you know kind of similar to my feelings on Kareem Hunt, I don't feel too comfortable starting him at this point. Um, but you know Jones, 24 rushing attempts, 138 yards and a touchdown. Dylan's 13 rushing attempts for 65 yards, so he did have some good um, efficiency there. But I just don't know if I could go into next week trusting that he would get 13 more attempts. So. I think I'm looking at Jones in the running back room and Dylan, like I said, I'm still feeling as a handcuff piece. If you have to flex him, you can, but I wouldn't feel too confident in it. Yeah, I was excited to see them just trying to establish it as they probably should have been doing this whole year, honestly, and they did not give up on the run after the early part of this game. It you know, was not working quite as well as they might have hoped, but it ended up uh, they ended up springing some leaks, especially with Aaron Jones. He had a great game, but... Yeah, Dylan, I, I think, like you said, high-end handcuff and can be flexed in certain situations, but probably would not recommend. And uh, Christian Watson, Cody, uh, four for eight in this one, 107 and three. Uh, how much fab are we laying down on Christian Watson if uh, he's out there in your league right now? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get your opinion on this first before I put in my two cents. Yeah, so man, that's that is a very tough question. I I honestly I stash Christian Watson in every single league that I have. So any of my league mates listening, you cannot pay fab for him. Um, but I I think so. Here's my thing with Christian Watson. I, I am very high on him. He saved me in a league that I started Zeke while Zeke was out. So I mean, I'm just 
Christian Watson, thank you for that. Really saved my playoff chances in that league. Um, I personally do love Watson rest of season. I just when he is out there, when he they can get him out there, he is featured. Um, and he did also have two drops in this game. So I mean, he was he had a chance for just a really really huge game with some more yardage, but um, still got the three touchdowns. Fab wise, how much am I dropping on him? I think I would go. You know, I mean, if you're a wide receiver needy and you need someone, um, I would probably sprinkle a little bit on, um, you know, the other guy that we had mentioned from Indianapolis. Uh, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. I think I would sprinkle a little bit on him, and then I would sprinkle a lot on Watson. I think I, I'm probably leaning like 60% of what I have left. Um, you know, if you can put a – he's probably going to go for, if he's out there, 25 to 30 fab. If You know, if people believe in him as – Aaron Rodgers' number one option. I mean, he's going to go for quite a bit. Uh, I I would have a problem paying that much fab for him. Um, it, you know, if you're kind of cutting it low on budget, I'm really trying to walk around this question any way I can. I'm just going to say probably – I'm just going to say $30 total for Christian Watson, and it's probably too much, but I think there's going to be leagues out there where he goes for even more if someone's really wide receiver needy. Yeah, I'm not nearly as optimistic on Watson rest of season as you are, but I still think you need to pay 30 fab, probably go to 31, 32, just because we like to to be right above those round numbers uh, to win any close battles with fab. But um, I think you're going to need to go that high to get him uh, this late in the year. Uh, there's, again, just not a lot of options that are going to spring up the rest of the season. So this is one of the only ones you'll get that has a very, very high ceiling, I will admit. But... I think what you have here is probably going to be an extremely boom-bust asset. You could see him completely dudding for you. Uh, four catches and three touchdowns is not a sustainable ratio, and I do know that Aaron Rodgers throws a good deep ball. Watson, that is his, you know, that is his go-to. And if they do end up featuring him in this offense, giving him eight plus targets every week, then uh, that would obviously change my mind. And again, you could have a league winner here, but. In my opinion, I'd still rather have Alan Lazard rest of season, and I think Christian Watson's going to be more of a uh, you know Gabe Davis light than a uh, you know this type of receiver week to week. In my opinion, yeah, no, I I totally get that, um, and I think as excited as I am, you you still have to be hesitant here because, like you said, I mean. There's probably not going to be another game potentially in his career where he has four catches and three touchdowns. So um, that's just not something at all that's sustainable. So there's a chance he has four for 20 and zero touchdowns next week, and you're like, man, I just spent $35 on on this guy. But, um, again, if you're wide receiver needy, go out there and get Christian Watson. He is probably the highest upside guy of any guy we're going to mention out there today. So. Um, I don't. I don't mind them. Like I said, I stashed them. So if you're listening and you're in one of my leagues and want them, uh, come trade for him. He's he's available, I guess. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move on to Arizona at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, won the backup quarterback battle, 27 to 17. Starting here on the Arizona side, uh, no Kyler, but the players you needed shined. Uh, welcome back to Fantasy Relevance, James Conner, 21 rushing attempts, 69 yards, two touchdowns, three for three through the air for 17 yards. Um, Eno Benjamin did get released today. This is Conner's backfield, and uh, really no one there that's going to question him for that. So, um, I mean, he is a guy that if you can if you can get, I would recommend trying to get James Conner. Um, he is the RB1 there. 
Um, and then I'll just touch on the receivers here because really nothing changed too much. I think Moore's value goes up quite a bit because Ertz isn't going to be around rest of season. But D-Hop, 10 for 14, 98. Moore, 9 for 13, 94. I mean, you were happy with both these guys, and both these guys are starters moving forward for sure. Yeah, my stat of the game is about these two receivers. 27 of 37 Colt McCoy passes went to either Rondell Moore or DeAndre Hopkins. That's 72.9%. That is juicy for fantasy. We love to see our quarterback hyper-targeting two players. Makes it very easy uh, on our end for who to recommend. And uh, same for the backfield. Like you said, James Conner was basically the only one here. Got 95% of snaps in this one. That is absolutely elite from the running back position. Probably even a little higher than you'd like just from a usage standpoint. Conner's had injury problems this year and in years previous. So surprised to see them featuring him that much. But for fantasy, it will be very good until he is banged up again. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Ertz heading out for the rest of the year means great things for D-Hop and Rondell Moore. And I think even after Marquise Brown comes back, uh, there's going to be enough targets to go around for both of these guys to still be very valuable. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's move over to a, a probably one of the worst fantasy situations in the NFL, the, the Los worst. Angeles Rams. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of one worse, and I couldn't off the top of my head. Um, let's just jump one. into the running backs here. Four different running backs touched the football. Most carries came from Henderson and Akers with six. Uh, Kyron Williams, the big stash candidate for weeks and weeks and weeks, got one touch this game, or one uh, rushing attempt. Are any of these guys a must-roster at this point, in your opinion? Must-roster, certainly not. Uh, if you have to drop any of them, I would go ahead and do so. The Los Angeles Rams have done anything in their power to take away touches from Daryl Henderson, so I just think there's a very, very low chance they're going to feature him unless you know two of these four guys gets hurt, and even then he's probably going to be splitting with that last guy. So not much to, to look forward to from the backfield. I think Kyron Williams would be the guy I'm stashing just in case he ends up taking over some – you know, some more of the rushing role. He did get three targets in this one, so I think he's going to be the passing downs guy if he ends up getting some of the rushing share. Could be interesting, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not touching any of these running backs. If you want to drop all of them, any of them, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's it's hard to see this any any part of this situation turning around to being good for the running backs. Um, I do want to point out Higby. He went eight for eight, seventy three yards. Did not get in the end zone, but he probably only had the he had the only good fantasy game for a Rams player uh, with Cup being out and hopefully Stafford coming back. I think Higby's a must start at the tight end position again, just oh, yeah. based on one hundred percent need. So uh, he may be out there. He may have gotten dropped after his couple bad weeks. So. Uh, if he is, go take a look there. Uh, but this is another just, you know, receiving room situation here. I just want to kind of get your opinion on uh, Cup will most likely miss a few weeks, if not the rest of season, depending on if they sit him. Um, you know, the other receiving options here, you have Allen Robinson, uh, you have Ben Skoranek, you have Van Jefferson. Do you want any one of these three options this week through, you know, do you want to go try and get any one of these three options? Are you trying to avoid them? Like, what are your thoughts on the receiving room as a whole and you know any one if you are are you know excited about them not really excited about Allen robinson or van jefferson and i'm not excited about ben skoranek but he would be the guy i would go ahead and take a a shot on for a couple fab dollars if you don't get one of the other guys we've talked about whether it be tony watson or uh, paris campbell i'd rather have all three of those guys than ben skoranek or any of the other rams receivers but i think he just is going to be the guy that takes over for the you know the cooper cup the, the, the short area screen Slow. targets, 
Right, those type of things. It seems like he's going to play that role, and um, you know, I think he has the best chance to soak up a lot of the targets that Cooper Cup had in this offense. So uh, I would take the shot on him becoming a thing, and we kind of already know what to expect from Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson. There, my opinion on them doesn't change very much. I think any target boost that they'll receive will be, you know, washed out by the fact that this offense is probably going to be a lot worse without Cup. Yeah, that was going to be my last point I wanted to put uh, bring up was just overall, even though you know maybe some of these receivers may get more fantasy relevance because they're going to get a higher workload. Cup was what made this offense move. I mean, he yep. he was the go-to guy on you know first, second, and third down if they could. So um, you know they're already in the tank for this season, and like I said, there's a chance he doesn't come back, and they could just be really really bad for the rest of the season so i think i do agree with you if there's any guy you're going to take a couple you know fab dollars and put it on it would be skoranek um he should be the slot guy there and kind of fill in for what cooper cup did um so he's probably you know a flexible option going into next week and we'll kind of see how that target share uh spreads out but Moving on here, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers played the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football. I was super excited for this absolute dud of a game, but sat through the entire thing. Um, We'll go ahead and start with the Chargers side. Another good call for Nick here. He told you to trade for Herbert last week, but sit him. He told you to look at streaming options if you wanted to trade for him. He was 100% correct on that. Again, and I still think Herbert would be a trade for candidate for me. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a good fantasy team without a stud quarterback, this would probably be the number one guy you should try and go get. Um, and then the running back here, I mean, Austin Eckler is just amazing. Um, didn't have his best game at all. Really was saved by his receiving upside, but um, he has been amazing up until this point, And I would continue him to be, or I'd expect him to continue to be really good. San Francisco, de- San Francisco's defense is probably right up there with the Broncos. Is one of the best in the NFL. Um, yeah. So, so kind of rough there, but you, you're not going to look look too hard at that. But the receiving options here: Palmer and Everett disappointed, and Carter produced, but it was kind of a lot of it was on one play. Um, all of these guys are going to be dependent on whether or not you know Keenan Allen and Mike Williams come back next week. Um, but I, I don't know. Do you have anything really to point out about this room? I don't feel like we can give enough analysis until we know if anyone's going to actually come back and play. Yeah, the only thing I want to point out here is that I believe Gerald Everett left with an injury in this one. I've been looking around, have not seen any update on his injury you situation. So yep. keep an eye on that one. Uh, could you know have some impact on... <laughs> These guys moving forward, but I think as long as Palmer and Carter are the starters, you can still play them. Palmer, obviously, uh, a slight tier ahead, even though Carter had the better production in this one. Uh, easier matchups will provide more opportunities for them moving forward, I believe. Uh, but getting back to Austin Eckler, I want to give my stat of the game real quick yep. because it involves him. There have been five seasons in NFL history that an RB has caught 100 passes. Both of the top two are Christian McCaffrey with 116 in 2019 and 107 in 2018. Austin Eckler is currently on pace for 126 catches on 153 targets. He is uh, very necessary to this offense right now. He's uh, basically the only high-level playmaker that they have, and uh, he's being ridiculously relied upon. Uh, I think the other the other part of this stat that is kind of amazes me is that you know Christian McCaffrey has the 116 and the 107. Matt Forte is third on this list with 102 <laughs> wow. so if you if you are not named christian mccaffrey uh you you basically you just don't do this at the running back position so to be on pace for 126 catches is absolutely insane 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is a really crazy stat. Um, and Austin Eckler, every time I get to watch him, I just he reminds me, I think he is what the Chiefs wanted Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be when they drafted him. Like, if he were to turn into Austin Eckler, I mean, if you put Austin Eckler in an Andy Reid offense, I think he would be even more nuclear for fantasy football with his pass-catching ability. Um, but, again, I think he – I think that – I don't know. He just reminds me of him. Just similar build and his pass-catching ability is elite. But yeah, we'll move don't over draft to running the, backs uh, in the first round. I think that's kind of the lesson there. Yeah, absolutely. You could have got – or if you are, maybe take the best one like Jonathan Taylor. But, you know, well, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. Maybe wait till the uh, second round. Yeah, absolutely. So San Francisco, um, I mean, I had a terrible beat on this game. Uh, CMC ended up with an all right game, but, I mean, what the heck happened here? Elijah Mitchell leads the backfield with 18 rush attempts for 89 yards, did not get in the end zone, uh, did have one catch for negative one yards. Um, CMC, 14 rush attempts, 38 yards, did get in the end zone, and then four for six through the air for 39 yards. So um, CMC did – or no, they got exactly 20 opportunities apiece. So right up there, similar to Mitchell. Um, I mean, I'm still going to be confident in playing CMC. He has the you know highest upside of just about any player in fantasy football. But Mitchell coming back really puts a halt on that. I think that, you know, he got to temper expectations, probably not RB1 rest of season like we all kind of thought he was, you know, before the bye week happened. Yeah, I'm not really nearly as concerned as you are about uh, McCaffrey moving forward. Mitchell only played 35% of snaps in this one. Uh, McCaffrey got 65%. Uh, still 20 opportunities for CMC. I think if you if you, if you you had been told coming into this game that CMC was going to get 20 opportunities, you would have been just fine with it just because, you know, Mitchell ended up getting the same amount, so it seems concerning. But I think they just kind of realized they're playing the long game here, and while they were up in the second half, they sort of let Mitchell bleed the clock out against the Chargers. So uh, I think CMC will be just fine moving forward. They brought him – I thought it was very – it was very encouraging to me that they brought him back in once they got to the goal line. Mitchell kind of got him there. They brought CMC in to be the hammer and score the touchdown. So as long as he's still getting the high-value touches and catching the passes, then I think he's going to be just fine. You can go ahead and let Mitchell have some of the carries in between the 20s, keep him upright for the rest of the year. Yeah. Do you think Mitchell has any fantasy value? Are you comfortable flexing sure. him at all? Um, going to have a low floor uh, because, obviously, if, if he's not catching passes and you're just relying on this rushing volume, going to be tough week to week you're going to need games like this where they're able to give 32 running back carries you're just not going to be able to do that all the time but this defense is really good so if you find an opportunity against a weaker opponent uh then you might be able to throw mitchell in there but just know it's going to be pretty risky i think he's going to have a very low floor against uh you know if the game script goes the other way he might just be completely phased out yeah kyle shanahan probably was just just lots and lots of being able to call up all those running plays i mean yeah yeah for sure but um yeah yeah i mean that they are incredible with just all the offensive weapons and on the defense i mean they have stars literally everywhere um except for cornerback that's their one weakness but um iuk was the guy in the passing game um you know you can't imagine sitting debo or kittle you know kittle specifically with the uh, tight end position, but there are a lot of mouths to feed uh, for this offense, and specifically for an offense that doesn't want to pass the ball too much. Um, I did recommend Debo as a tradeaway target, not because I saw his demise coming, but because I saw games like this potential uh, potentially happening where the running game is just 
on fire, um, and CMC and Mitchell kind of take it over. And then through the air, Ayuk was, you know, got more receptions, had more targets. He went six for seven for 84, Debo two for six for 21. Um, again, I, I can't imagine sitting Debo, Debo Samuel, but uh, these kind of games are in the card when you have these this much talent in one offense. Yeah, great call by you, honestly. I think uh, I remember being a little bit hesitant uh, when you brought that up, just trading away such a talented player. But, man, this game is hard not to be concerned about him. This was what you would probably consider a pretty good matchup to put Debo in there against a weak defense at home, against a team that should be able to put up some points. Chargers didn't really hold up their end of the bargain, but uh, still, Debo should have had plenty of opportunities in this one and really dud it for you again. Ayuk has been consistently outproducing him on the passing game side uh, since basically the middle point of last year, and he's not getting nearly the rushing volume he was before, obviously with uh, CMC and now Mitchell back as well. So pretty concerned about Debo. I think you're going to need a big play from him to be happy week to week, and uh, otherwise he's going to be, you know, he's going to put up games like this from time to time. Just I think it goes back to the fact that there are just so many pieces in this offense, and if they're not scoring 30 points a week, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to hold them back from doing that, uh, you know, consistently. So uh, the the pass catchers are just going to be somewhat inconsistent. Yeah, Kittle, one for two, 21 yards. Just that was tough to watch. I can't believe they didn't get more, him more involved. But uh, it just, again, speaks to the fact that they have a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let me know how you would feel about this kind of move because I know the tight end position's tough. Um, the Zach Ertz owner, who's had a tight end pretty much locked in place the whole season, would you try and maybe flip Kittle over to them for a different startable asset for your lineup and then move towards streaming with the way this offense is looking? Or do you just stick with, stick it out with Kittle and just kind of you know play the ups and downs with this offense? Depends how much they like Kittle. If they're willing to give you a startable asset, I would definitely consider it. Hopefully you have either a backup tight end on your bench or you can go pay a little bit of fab and get a Cole Komet or somebody that is a little bit above the streaming tier of the you know Dawson Knox's, Mike Kosicki's, those For type sure. of guys. Yeah. Uh, if you have an opportunity to go get you know a lower level starter like a Pat Frymuth, uh or Cole Komet, then I'm just fine making that trade. I think Kittle's going to boom for you, but he's going to bust like this as well. Just, again, it's going to be tough to feed all these guys week to week and have all of them produce for fantasy. Yeah, for sure. And then last but not least, we'll go ahead and get to tonight's game. Uh, or Washington at Philadelphia. Washington pulls out the win, 32-21. to uh, We no longer have an undefeated team in the NFL. Philadelphia taking their first loss here. Uh, Washington, really good effort from them. Um, I mean, they did exactly what they wanted to do, kind of just stayed on script, kept the – I mean, ball control was an absolute necessity for them to win this game, and they absolutely did that. Um, overall, though, I just don't think a lot of my – you know, my mind doesn't change too much by about a lot of these fantasy assets. Um, I think we were both relatively high on Gibson coming into the game, so – I, I think I'm, I'd, as long as McKissick is out, he kind of stays the same. The receivers stay the same as long as uh, Heineke is still the quarterback. Just It was a good win for him, but from a fantasy perspective, just nothing really changed in my mind. Yeah, just a great game plan from the commanders in this one. They they just really executed their plays to a T. They kept getting themselves into third and short situations, and they converted basically every single one of them. Uh, I I have their third down numbers right in front of me. They were 12 for 21, and I'm pretty sure they were 12 for 16 at one point too. So they they missed the last few when they were trying to bleed the clock out, and they were just they were just 
very consistently running three yards here, four yards there, three yards there. Uh, they, their per carry numbers were not very impressive at the end of the game, but just didn't have any negative plays and played basically a perfect game uh, as far as you know their roster is considered. That's about as good as they can play. And uh, you know Taylor Heineke, he's he's really fun to watch. Maybe not so much for fantasy purposes. Uh, didn't really do much for you on that respect, but. I just like the guy a lot. He's a he's a fun guy to watch play football. He has some passion, and it's clear that his teammates like him a lot. Uh, but I definitely agree. I didn't really change my opinion on anybody on Washington's side. Robinson got a ton of carries in this one, but uh, again, if they're trailing, it's going to be hard to, for him to be fed the ball 26 times. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think we're on the same page with Washington. And on the Philadelphia side, um, Devontae Smith had a good game, but other than that, uh, probably not too happy. Hurts did end up with three touchdowns, so he was fine. But Miles Sanders, 12 rush attempts for 54 yards. Um, A.J. Brown with the massive dud. He did get – he, like, went to the sideline, kind of seemed like he was banged up, but then immediately returned, but did not have any production, one for four for seven yards. So maybe he may have had a little bit of a – um, a little bit of an injury out there, and he was kind of used as a decoy for the majority of the game. Um, but I'm not too worried about A.J. Brown. If, if he is not going to be missing games, he is going to be in your fantasy lineup. Um, and then Devontae Smith has his boom game. Like like we've said, he's going to have games where he kind of uh, duds as the last option on this offense and games like this where he kind of becomes you know more of a necessity, 6 for 8, 53 and a touchdown. So if you flexed him, you're happy with that. And then Goddard went three for three, 23 and a touchdown. Uh, did have a fumble lost and really saved fantasy owners with a touchdown. Uh, if he would not have gotten that touchdown, I would have an extra win in fantasy this week. But uh, he barely edged me out. And I, the guy I was playing needed Miles Sanders and uh, um, Goddard to, I think, combine for 12 and a half points. And they only got them 14 in full PPR. So... <laughs> I mean, we almost had the, the yeah. almost insane big upset, but uh, didn't didn't quite pull it through. But uh, the fact that you know that touchdown basically being the separator and that was it. So um, overall, with Philadelphia, not much really changes for me over here either. I think as long as everyone's healthy going into uh, next week, I'm still happy with AJ Brown, Miles Sanders, and Jalen Hurts, and then Devontae Smith's a boom bust flex option for me. And then Dallas Goddard's a tight end. So as long as he's healthy, he's in your lineup. Yeah, zero, zero changes for me on the Philadelphia side. Massive dud from Brown. We've kind of seen him do this in years past, though. This was kind of his first game doing so with the Eagles. But, again, this is just sort of the type of player he is. He's more of a downfield guy, so when he's not connecting on those downfield shots, uh, it's going to be tough for him to produce in fantasy. He's going to have the occasional dud. And, yeah, the rest of the options kind of did what they you know, did what they normally do. The only thing here was is that the Philadelphia Eagles had 19 minutes and 36 seconds uh, time of possession in this one. So not a lot of time to run any plays. Just could not rack up the volume for all of the pass catchers and all of the options in this offense. The Washington Commanders had 49 rushing attempts. The Philadelphia Eagles had 46 total plays. I think that kind of just illustrates how well the uh, the commanders executed their game plan in this one. But uh, before we get out of here, I want to give my final stat of the game. Uh, on the Philadelphia side, Devontae Smith, the first NFL player in history to have a touchdown on his birthday in back-to-back -back years. I couldn't believe that stat when I heard it. I thought that was kind of crazy, but then I sort of thought about it, and you know, it makes a little bit of sense because you basically perfectly have to line up 
you know, your birthday on a Sunday and then your birthday on a Monday the next year and have the game schedule line up as well. So I think Devontae Smith uh, kind of fortunate in that respect on, on this stat, but kind of a cool one I saw towards the end of the game. No, that's actually a really cool stat. And what's crazy is like probably 50% of the NFL could never even have an opportunity at that. Exactly. Yeah. During the off season. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty right. cool. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it's pretty much the only time it's going to happen is on a Sunday, Monday, unless there's like a weird day game, like during COVID, someone may have been able to have a chance to sure, do it because exactly. a game was like scheduled on a Tuesday or something. But like standard NFL schedule wise, like, yeah, this is obviously once in NFL history so far. So uh, pretty crazy stat there, but that's going to wrap up our week 10 recap going into week 11. Uh, probably should have shouted it out at the beginning. Not sure how many people are going to stick around this long, but we will actually have a third person coming in to kind of do some more hosting roles. So we'll welcome Justin into the fold on our Thursday night preview. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And really besides that, just go out there, hit those waivers hard. There's a lot of good wide receivers specifically that, um, a lot of people are going to be putting fab into, and if you're wide receiver needy, go out there and make it happen. Uh, besides that, Nick, do you have any, uh, any other stats of the day that you want to throw out there or anything? <laughs> I, I kind of, uh, blew the wad on the stats of the day as we went there, <laughs> uh, did a lot of research on those. So hopefully you guys liked those, but, uh, yeah, definitely. If you need wide receiver help, go out there, be aggressive. Now is the time, uh, you need wins in fantasy at this time of the year. So do not be you know, don't be shy. Go out there and spend your fab. It's you know, it's it's only going to sit there, especially at this point in the year. Just go ahead and use it up and get your guys. Yeah, for sure. All right, peace out, everybody. See you guys.